Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, this is Sharon Wegman from Wellspring Solutions, and today um, I'm joined by one of my staff members, Kayla Cedar, and today we're going to be talking about mindfulness. Um, and we're going to talk about why it's such an important daily practice to change the brain. Kayla, why don't you tell me and the, everybody else why you wanted to join us for this discussion? Thanks, Sharon. Um, I have a particular interest in helping individuals that have experienced trauma, maybe have struggled with addiction in the past or present, have been affected by addiction in any way, shape or form, or maybe experiencing some depression and anxiety So I'm really excited to explain a little bit more about how mindfulness can help address all of those different things. Yeah, so I think the basic way for me to explain mindfulness is our brain, our pattern from a very early age. You know, as you listen to our podcast, we repeatedly say how we attach to people happens between zero and three and our worldview between zero and 12. That means we as adults have very little control over what we experienced in our childhood but we do have control as adults to change it and I always relate it to the amusement park ride where as children you wanted to get into these cars and drive the cars and nobody wanted to be the passenger everybody wanted to be the driver why because the driver had the ability or so they thought to control this car but you couldn't control the speed very much you couldn't steer very far, and you stayed on this track that just going kept going around. And that's the way our brains are. They have been patterned a certain way, and sometimes they've even been patterned by people from earlier generations because we have inherited their, G- their DNA. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, the patterning of the brain, even if we didn't experience the traumas they did, We inherit that patterning when we inherit their DNA. So it's so important to begin to practice mindfulness and implement it in our daily life so that we can change the patterning of our brain because people are always complaining, when will this change? Part of it is I have to daily do brain exercises to do the cognitive stimulation necessary to change the way my brain has been patterned. So Kayla, why don't you talk a little bit about the science of that? Yeah, absolutely. So as Sharon was saying, it's all about patterns. And a lot of times our patterns put us in a position where we're often operating on autopilot and practicing mindfulness daily helps us gain more control, be more empowered, to make those changes necessary. When we consider the brain, the brain does what it's always known how to do. That's why our brain has these particular patterns so that when we do something a certain way for a certain amount of time, our brain says, okay, I've got this from here, you can check out. Well, when we check out, a lot of times, those brain patterns may be something that's unhealthy or it's a behavior that we're not interested in having anymore. So, How mindfulness helps that is it causes us to be more present in the moment so that we feel more empowered to make conscious choices instead of operating on autopilot. 
when we look at the brain, we can divide it into three different parts. We've got our most reptilian brain all the way in the back towards our brainstem. This is the first thing that's being developed when we're in utero that helps us. That, that's our survival. That's where we survive. It tells us to eat. It tells us to drink. It tells us to breathe. That's where our automatic functioning comes from. When we move up towards our middle brain, that's where all of our emotions, our memory, things like that are held. In our most forefront of the brain, what we call our prefrontal cortex, that's our most highest level of functioning. That's our logic. That's our choices. That's all of those things. So when we get stuck in these patterns, a lot of times we forget to get all the way to that logical point of our brain. When we're able to slow things down, we can start looking at how can I tap more into my breathing. If we think of it from a bottom-up approach, if I take care of my most basic level of functioning, it will have a better result on each stage up. So I have more control over my emotions when I have more control of my breathing. If I have more control of my emotions, then I'm making wiser choices. I'm using what we call our wise brain to do this instead of our emotion brain. Helps us feel more in control. And so the emotion brain is where fight, flight, freeze, and fawn exist Mm -hmm. because they are triggered to respond the same way over and over. So as the brain changes, we're going to be less triggered to have those responses. Yes. Yeah. And so um, let's just talk about what fight, flight, freeze, and fawn looks like in a response. Um, Fight is... The second someone triggers you, you might become very angry, Mm -hmm. agitated, yelling, reactive. These people have big emotions immediately in which they're aggressive Mm -hmm. with either themselves or others. It's not just other people. It's sometimes just themselves. So that's the fight. Mm -hmm. What does flight look like? So a lot of times when we consider flight, it means running away. Um, We're not, our brain tells us that it's too dangerous to be present. So we either physically leave or a lot of times maybe we see um, self-sabotage during that point in time to, to force somebody else to go away from us. Yeah, that's fair. We're just avoiding it. Yeah, absolutely. We're avoiding people. We're pushing people away. We're pushing things away. And we're kind of cocooning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, freezing is the inability to actually figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, any other specific? I, I just feel like people get stuck in their thinking. They, they're just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We can see a lot of dissociation during that time, too, of our brain telling us again. This is too dangerous, so you're going to escape. So maybe we find our mind wandering. Maybe we um, zone out doing something, watching television, putting our mind something completely, somewhere completely else besides the present because the present is too painful. Right. 
And then the last one is um, fawning, which is the second something is triggering us. If it's a person or place or thing, we're trying to fix it immediately with that person. So mm-hmm. instead of allowing that person space and time, you're pushing to what's wrong. Uh, what, what do I need to do? Um, pushing in or or even like suddenly I need to clean this kitchen immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to fawn. I'm going to do a behavior that makes other people or self mm-hmm. pleased, less shameful, less triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the t- main four ways that our brain is triggered to old ways of thinking. Yes. Old ways of thinking. So... And part of what, why we want people to do um, mindfulness is not just to stop those four reactions, but for the benefit of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And what are those benefits? So not only does it help with retraining how we're responding to old trauma patterns, but it can help reduce anxiety. It can help lessen the severity of depression symptoms. It can, studies show that it affects our certain parts of our brain that help with our social intelligence and being able to relate to others and be relatable too. It can help with chronic pain. It can help with a whole multitude of things. Anxiety, depression, um, so many different things. So it impacts not just us, but how we relate to other people Mm -hmm. because we're not relating out of our emotional brain. Mm -hmm. We're relating out of a brain that has been trained to have empathy, the brain that's trained to engage with people differently. So um, what are some mindfulness skills that we encourage people to use? Um, Let's talk about that because it's basically a discipline that you need to do almost like your body doesn't get stronger without continually working those muscles. The same thing goes with the brain. We're doing mindfulness exercises to increase our brain's ability to move away from the emotional brain. Mm To the wise brain. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say that our emotions are wrong or bad or anything. It's simply we want to make choices with our logical mind instead of our emotional mind. It's so crucial that we practice these things daily because if we wait to try to practice this when we're in a crisis, it's just simply not going to happen because that's not the way that the brain works. When the brain and the body feels like it's pressed up against a wall, it's going to do what it's always known how to do, which unfortunately may be something that we don't want to do anymore or we found to be unhealthy so the more we practice this the more brain pathways will be open the more inclined we'll be able to use this skill during a crisis absolutely so let's talk about our different favorite ways of mindfulness Kayla why don't you talk about the first one so one thing that I like to do is checking in with self so that's Literally just a check-in. How am I feeling? What's going on around me? What am I thinking? Am I feeling overwhelmed? Are my thoughts anxious? Is How's my breathing? Am I forgetting to breathe? Um, is my breathing very shallow? So really just checking in and asking ourselves, what is going on? And how can I bring more awareness to my body and myself? Absolutely. 
So that looks like I'm stressed out. I'm walking down mm-hmm. the aisle in the grocery store and I start be checking in like what's mm-hmm. going on and just checking in to figure out what I need to adjust to bring my stress level down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for, and, and that would lead into for me, that deep breathing where if I am stressed out, just like she's, Kayla's already talked about checking in and I'm checking my breathing. That's where I often have to become aware of my breathing. So I'm told from a very young age that I would hold my breath. (laughs) And guess what? Sometimes when I'm stressed out, I still do that. Mm -hmm. And somebody's like, oh, you have a great tan. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't know that. So when I'm stressed out, I, I will literally focus really hard on breathing correctly to bring my anxiety down to bring uh bring down anything else so that's that's how so checking in would determine that i need to change my breathing pattern and then the next one yeah checking in can also be good um to discover if you're holding any tension anywhere so a body scan is really great for that and all you do during a body scan is start from your feet all the way up and you tense your muscle groups and then breathe out and relax them. And a lot of times we'll find that we've been holding tension somewhere that we hadn't even realized. I know for me in particular, it's oftentimes in my shoulders and my neck. So by the time I get all the way up there, it's like, oh my goodness, why is why are my shoulders all the way up by my ears? Let me <laughs> relax a little bit. Yes, yes absolutely. Um, and and we do teach that in our you know our sessions. We just mm-hmm. help people recognize the different patterns of relaxing the body parts, so you're aware of when you are tensed up. Because many mm-hmm. people people aren't even clear that their hands are tense. Yes. Until we teach them how to do that, they just can't. They just don't know to scan their body and figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I guess I also like to you know, use the five senses to just say, okay, not only am I scanning my body, I'm using my senses to become aware and come out of my stress head. What does this chair feel like? Oh, it's soft and velvety. Um, what is the air temperature? Oh, it's cooler than I thought. Um, I'm aware of everything that my five basic senses would tell me and that gets me out of my head mm-hmm. out of my anxiety out of my stress or my even my depression and makes me again retrain my brain to go different places than it would normally go mm-hmm. another one that we can do is observing without judgment which is very a, a popular mindfulness technique and that's simply to say What's happening around me? Am I absorbing things that aren't mine? Um, maybe we're talking with somebody who's experiencing a lot of anxiety. Am I experiencing that anxiety too? So how can I simply observe what's happening around me without judging what's happening around me and simply be present without absorbing what's not ours? Absolutely. It's, it's so helpful to just kind of just become aware because it's so easy, particularly for fawners Mm -hmm. to just get immediately sucked into everybody else as opposed to just pulling back and observing everything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then focus meditation. I'm very big on being in the outdoors. That's enacting a lot of senses for me. So when I teach that, I'll say to someone, get a blanket, lay down under a tree and just do your breathing and focus on the tree. And suddenly you're going to see so many parts of the tree that you weren't noticed while you were in your emotional brain. You weren't, and so as you're doing that, you're basically relaxing your body out of the way it normally thinks and making it think differently. So that can be, and I might do that inside a room. I might put on music or I might make it completely silent. I might enact another sense by putting on a candle that smells. Again, I'm enacting something that wasn't enacted before. It's all a part of changing that my meditation by enacting my five senses. Okay. And and the point of doing all of these ideas is really because we can change our brain. Yes, we can. And I think sometimes we feel hopeless when we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. But it requires doing it very focused. And you made a good point when we were talking about this earlier. You can't just practice this when you're upset. No, unfortunately. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no. um, Like we were saying earlier, and Sharon made a good point about, is our brain already has existing patterns. Our brain is going to do what it's always known to do. I always like to say, well, I'm not the only one, but we only know what we know. And until we know something different, we're not going to do anything different. So... When we're in the middle of a crisis, our brain is going to do what it's always known to do. Our body is going to respond the way that it's always responded, typically in a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. When we give ourselves that opportunity to start practicing making new patterns in our brain, our brain has a different option when we are in a crisis then. We've taught it something completely new that it has an option to do. And it feels familiar because we've given ourselves the opportunity to have practice it prior to that moment. Absolutely. And, and one thing we really didn't mention is, is for spiritual people, mm-hmm. they already use meditation in their place of prayer or maybe when they pick out a, a psalm to focus on mm-hmm. or they, they're choosing to train their brain and focus on their their spiritual beliefs, uh, their the, maybe the Bible, a, a, a psalm, a song. They choose to focus on a meditation style, yes. and it is changing their brain. Yes. And so sometimes people who are spiritual don't realize how, how much they really are changing their brain yes. by using music, using scriptures, using prayer. They are literally taking their brain and doing daily exercises to change their brain. But now we'd like to say to those spiritual people, employ some of these other things too, because you might be even more productive in your spiritual practices Mm -hmm. if you include those. 
Okay, so we just wanted to give you a brief understanding of what mindfulness looks like so that you can understand why we push for you to do it Mm -hmm. and practice it. And, you know, it's so important for you to understand your stories so you understand your triggers. And again, I'm going to push counseling for the 100th million time (laughs) is when you understand your story, you understand new truths about your story. Mm -hmm. And that's part of changing your brain, too. When you suddenly have your story interpreted back to you by somebody else who's hearing you in a nurturing, safe space, Mm -hmm. you hear a whole different truth that you never heard before, and it changes the way you think. So therapy is also on some level mindfulness because you're changing the way you think about things. So feel free to give Wellspring Solutions a call. Here and why I'm missing. We also can do telehealth if you're in the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> Can't cross those state lines. But um, thank you so much, Kayla, for joining me. And hopefully we'll have Kayla join us again. Kayla's specialties would be anxiety, depression, trauma past, and, and really addiction. But addiction really is just, I call it the symptom mm. of all the other unresolved traumas that people just don't know what to deal with. Yeah. So if you're interested in talking to Kayla, contact us. Thanks so much for joining us today. Feel free to check out our other podcasts on Wellspring Solutions. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Wellbeing with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.